Hey, it's the Rock Out of Podcasting, Charles McFall, and this is my show. This show is all about the human experience, the journey that we take, and really about me telling stories about my life and having a whole lot of fun doing it. And in telling my stories, you will find a part of yourself in there. If nothing else, you will laugh or enjoy yourself for at least an hour, sometimes more. So, hey, I'm glad you're tuning in. I said, so, hey, a bunch of times, so we're going to title this one, so, hey. <laughs> I need your help, though. I need you to get the word out, to get out there and tell people about this show. Get on iTunes, rate it, give it to positive words. Tell your friends to listen to it. Find that one coworker at work that that uh, can take some some four letter words and share it with them. But I also need your questions today. We've got a question from a listener, which is always awesome. I need you to do more of that. Rockgottapodcasting.com. There's a speak pipe tab right there. At the bottom of rockgottapodcasting.com, there's a contact form. In case you don't remember, the email is rgop at charlesmcfall.com. So rockgottapodcasting, right? At charlesmcfall.com. Easy to remember. Twitter is at rockgottapod. Facebook is rockgottapodcasting. So rockgottapodcasting.com. I think I said rockgottapod.com, but it's rockgottapodcasting.com. Speak pipe is right there for your voice. Contact forms at the bottom for your email, or just email me directly at rgop at charlesmcfall.com. All right, Mike, we've got, I believe, a speak pipe from our good friend Carl. Yeah, this is this is from Carl. Uh, we know him from the Water Relief Podcast, and this week he wants to know what does it take to be qualified as a good friend or a long term friend to the rock god of podcasting. <laughs> the way he says it is funny. What does it take to be, I mean, I mean he's doing it, it's really funny. Uh, well, to be a long-term friend, all that takes is to stick around for a while. That's that's the easy answer on long-term friend. Uh, I definitely have memories of people I grew up with that I would not hate to say hello to, but I've learned the true, true definition of friendship. And people who have lots of friends, you're you're quite mistaken. You really only have a few close friends, if that. Um, unfortunately, like my wife, she really doesn't have friends at all. She kind of has one friend now, and they do stuff together. But it's going to be different than the stories you hear, right? Their, their friendship... This is as close to a friend as I've seen her have the entire time I've known her. She had a best friend in high school, and that took a different path as high school, and once you graduate and life moves on, as life does. Um, I had a bunch of people I was friendly with. You know, they were definitely, at times, there are situational friends, right? You know, I grew up with, uh, I won't really throw out last names, but I grew up with a guy named Jeff I was friends with when I was in high school. Uh, my friend Johnny... Now, Johnny has been a friend of mine for a long time, and life keeps us separated, but we keep up with each other. That's one of the truly good things about Facebook is I can see moments in his life. I can comment a whole lot easier than before Facebook, where once a year, if I remember, I'll give him a phone call, and he'll do the same. So maybe twice a year at best, we talk to each other. We live in the same state, but it's three hours away from each other, and we both have multiple kids and lives and work and we grew up together. I met Johnny when he was 14 years old and I was 15 and we spent a good part of our teenage years together. Good friend. So I'll get into the, the 
how do you become a good friend and a long-term friend? But the long-term thing is just stick around for a while. That's 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 it. Our Facebook friends, friends, sometimes, sometimes not. But what I have definitely learned is true friends don't need time and space. They just need to remember each other. You know, I, I see my brother Douglas for twice a year at best. And there, and I'll probably tell some stories on on how he he what yeah you know what he's going to be the the story guy today, on how you become a good friend. The short answer I'm going to tell you the short answer for me: patience, endurance, toughness, the wi- willingness to go along for the ride, willingness to grow and change. And that might be true for every friendship. I, you asked about me specifically, and I got to tell you, there you shit. You you gotta know who the fuck you are if you want to be a friend of mine. I mean that's nowadays especially. Uh, Mornick can tell you tell you stories of of things like that. Uh, my wife definitely can do that. Let's go with some some easier stuff at first, right? So I grew up uh, feeling alone, like most te- teenagers do. And what I said when I was maybe I was younger. Maybe I was fourteen and Johnny was thirteen. Uh, it was in a rough time in my life and we met and I had to be his friend because I was the preacher's kid and he was new to a rough situation. He was coming to live with his grandparents for a while. And that's as deep into that story as I'm going to go. Uh, cause it's his and he tells it freely, but sometimes stories belong to people and that's his story. It's not for me to tell it's whatever. So I met him. And and my parents said, oh, you know, there's this new guy. And, you know, we really need you to be nice to him. He's living with his grandparents. And I don't remember if they told me if if it was a bad situation or they just indicated. I don't remember. But I had to go in. And I uh, the first thing I did because I was a jackass. And now he's big like I am. So here's the thing. I'm a giant in the land of midgets. In this at this time, I am six foot seven. You know, not seven foot tall. I'm over six foot tall. I'm definitely over three hundred pounds. Everybody else is average teenage size of less than six feet tall. You know, some are fat, some are skinny, whatever. But you know, I'm towering over everybody. I'm now currently I'm six foot seven. Johnny was was like six foot five, so I'm barely taller than him. Right, first time in my life I met somebody like that, and. You know, I'm, I challenge him, right? Because we live in Georgia, and in Georgia, everybody says Coke for everything. And I hate cheap. I hate, especially then, I hate things that people like. So if everybody loves this thing, it's, when I was a teenager, I was like, fuck you. I'm going to pick something opposite just to piss you off. And so I I, like, I chose Pepsi because everybody was like, Coke, 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 Coke. Fuck you, man. And and there's, there's something to be said about being an individual and standing on your own but there's 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 also arbitrary because who cares but the first thing i did to johnny was like you like coke or pepsi and i was like very aggressive about it because uh pepsi was like all right we'll be cool man (laughs) so we hung out a lot uh we we did a lot of stuff we actually had a lot in common um he introduced me to metal music he introduced me to metallica and firehouse and those are the two main ones I remember. CDs were coming around then. He introduced me to CDs. Uh, bought my first CD player off of him because it was busted. And you had to put a weight on the top of it to keep the lid closed. But I got that from him. Uh, definitely Metallica and 
and Firehouse were were big ones from him. He tried to get me into Anthrax. I just didn't. Mm-mm. Anthrax was never my jam. So we we lots. We went through a lot of stuff, even up through college. As he came and lived with me for a while, and went to UGA when I was living in Athens, we we spent time together. But we really became good friends. What caused that was him, his willingness to overlook my bullshit. You know, that's the patience and endurance sometimes is I can be pretty brutal about things. It used to be very brutal. I try to very, very much be gentle when I'm delivering truth because I've learned if I want somebody to truly change and I want them to hear me, I have to give it in a way that they can hear it. So I'm very much different in my delivery now, but not in how I see the world. And that was the thing. I always saw the world as I'm right and I got the answer. And the fact that the matter is, for my reality, I'm right and I have the answer. It's not maybe it's not for you, maybe it's for me. But that's that's where I wrote. But I always felt like no, it's your answer. The problem was because I paid attention to a whole lot of shit, and I saw through a whole lot of bullshit. Bullshit just never stuck to me ever. I mean, religion, politics, societal pleasantries, none of the bullshit stuck to me. So. I was, man, I was, I was a brutal sword carrying, club carrying dude, man. You know, and if I'd see something in this life, I'm like, you need to do this. Instead of going, hey, here's an option, you know, any other gentleness. It was just, here's the bottom line truth. You're fucking up. This is what you need to do. And I, I was Gordon Ramsay in the kitchen at 15 and 16. Nobody wants that. Nobody likes that. So you have to have patience, obviously. Because sometimes my advice would come out of stuff I needed to do in my life. Sometimes it would just be brutal. I, I, I don't know where I'm going with that. Someone will switch gears now. But that's how you become a long-term friend. You just outlast me, right? You outlast the, the bullshit. And sometimes space is good. And I think we were better friends, Johnny and I, because often on he would move away and then come back into the area and move away and come back into the area. And it it allowed me time to change and grow, and he would change and grow. And he would always, we always liked each other, no matter what dummy shit we were doing in each other's lives. So that's the long-term one. Now, how did you really become a good friend of mine? You care, and you get me. And that's, that is such an understatement that it's it's hard to explain. And as a listener of the show, if you're understanding the words, not literally understanding the words going on in my mouth, but you understand the meaning behind what I'm saying, if you're getting those moments of uh, obligation, I just promoted the crap out of that show. We, we I did a show on obligation, and that one is such an important show to me. And it felt like it, it was such a great show. And it really dives into the sacred cows of giving because you're given to. Or the story I didn't tell on that show was these old ladies at the job I had were such fucking retards about what you have to do for a woman. Because they'd always ask me, oh, it was Valentine's Day. I don't do Valentine's Day. My wife didn't do Valentine's Day. We did it the first time when we were dating. And after that, we both went, yeah, this was kind of cool, but do you really feel like you get you really want to do that and we I, I don't remember who brought it up but the mutual agreement was no no we don't want to do valentine's day because look 
in March, we do something fun, you know, just randomly. And in August, we did something fun randomly for each other. And romantic, loving, things that you would think were Valentine's Day gifts. We're just doing them all the time. You know, not literally all the time, but sporadically throughout the year. So, and plus, plus my wife and I agree that one, we don't need to be herded like sheep into a fucking corral and be forced to go to dinner and do stupid bullshit on Valentine's Day. Two, everybody in the world, it seems like, is out doing shit on Valentine's Day. So it makes it super crowded and expensive because prices get jacked up because they know people are coming out. Why? Why would we hassle ourselves? We both hate hassle. We hate crowds. We hate expensive shit. So well, that's not true. We love expensive shit. We don't, don't like paying for expensive shit. So, so we have a true agreement in our lives that Valentine's Day is dumb. Well, these ladies just did not get that. And oh my God, they just were on my ass, on my ass. And I finally, I finally, I'll jump to the end of the story. I finally had to tell them, it's my life. Shut up. Leave me alone. You don't understand. You're refusing to listen. Listening. Boom. That's how you become a good friend of mine. You need to truly listen to what I'm saying. If I'm telling you, a truth in my life. And you can feel it. if you're a truth hearer, if you're somebody who doesn't put your personal shit on everything. And I did that. Okay. Back when I was a teenager, especially I put my personal shit on everything. I was a horrible listener. Horrible. I would assume I knew what you're saying as you were saying it. and give you an answer that had nothing to do with your life. Dumbass, horrible listener. But if you're a listener, if you're somebody who goes, Hey, Okay, me and Mike, we have no vested, at the time when we first met, we have no dog in the fight, no vested interest in going, oh, you need to change your life. So when I'm telling him a story, he goes, oh, I get that because he's listening because why wouldn't he? He has nothing else to do. He doesn't have to prove to me he can fix my life. Same same way for me. I'm listening to him. I don't have to prove to him I, I can fix his life. I'm just listening to what he's saying. And then as we became closer friends, we'd give each other little bits of advice and then we'd listen to how it was received. Or rejected, or got a new piece of the story. So if you're a listener, you absolutely can be a good friend of mine because these ladies, I'm telling them a truth in my life. No, truly, my wife and I hate Valentine's Day. We not only hate Valentine's Day, we do things throughout the year to be romantic. We try to make sure we have a date night once every month or six weeks sometimes because we have four kids and, and busy lives. But we try to be romantic. Every once in a while, I'll pick her up something from the store, something little, something fun, not a thing. She hates things. She's always looking at our house, which is smaller than our last house, and goes, oh, my God, we have too much stuff. Well, why would I buy somebody something random that they won't use if they're already in a house going, we have too much stuff? So anyway, 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 if you listen and hear the truth, go, okay, you guys, are the, and you get it, boom, that's all. That's one of the steps. Just listen to these ladies at Christmas time. My wife said, I really want this shampoo machine, this carpet shampooer. I really, it would make my life better. I mean, she didn't go to all these words, but this is what she's communicating. Absolutely. Oh my God. If I could just shampoo my own carpets and clean them. I love a clean house. This is her. This is truly her. She loves a clean house. She loves when me and the kids help out. So she didn't have to do it all herself. 
but she wanted the tools to keep her house clean. That was her happy spot. She doesn't like seeing stains in the carpet. She doesn't like knowing that when something spills, she couldn't clean it up appropriately. It drove her crazy. So guess what? I got her for Christmas day after Thanksgiving sale because it was super cheap. A goddamn sh- carpet shampooer because it's what she truly wanted. I listened. She did not literally, but she did backflips. She was so goddamn happy. It was like a kid with a toy. I mean, she was cleaning all the carpets just on cloud nine. And yeah, I gave it to her as soon as I got it for her. Because we don't follow the bullshit of, yeah, it's a Christmas present. No, we got it for Christmas because at the time, yes. And even now, Christmas is an excuse to get away with, with spending a little bit of money and buying a gift. Whereas maybe during the middle of the year, she might resist me more because it's summertime and she's trying to do a bunch of stuff with the kids and I spent 150 bucks or 100 bucks, whatever. I don't remember how much these things are, but I know they're around 100 to $200 to get a, a shampooer. When it's random and I go, oh, hey, baby, here's the shampooer you wanted. She'll be a little excited, but she'll also be a little resistant going, oh, well, thanks, and that's cool. But at the same time, I could be doing all this stuff with the kids with that money. She's torn. So, yeah, holidays, Christmas time, it's definitely an excuse to be more acceptive of gifts, but also there ain't shit going on for the kids. There's not a whole hell of a lot extra that you could be, your mind could be telling you, oh, but I, I, I could have done this. I could have done that. So it's helpful for that. But it doesn't have to be Christmas Day. She's not the kind of girl, and I'm not the kind of guy that has to rip open presents on Christmas morning, and that's what's special. I'm about to go on a rant about Christmas, and we'll stop myself. But for us... I got it the day at you know, Black Friday. I gave it to her, and she's like, oh, do I have to wait? I'm like, no, it's yours, baby. She went crazy. So these old ladies go, oh, what are you getting for your wife? Like, well, I got her a carpet shampooer. Oh, my God. The bullshit I had to endure. What? Why wouldn't you get him a – you got you to get her a diamond tennis bracelet. Do you even, You've met my wife. Do you even fucking know my wife? She doesn't wear diamonds. She doesn't wear bracelets. She doesn't feel pretty with expensive shit on her arm. She feels like she might lose it and it freaks her out that somebody might steal it or it's going to be gone and that money's gone. So she won't wear it. She does like some pretty things. She likes some necklaces, right? She likes some earrings. Simple. That's her. It's her style. Diamond tennis bracelet. For what? For $400? Do you realize how much? I, I eventually had to say this blatantly in this tone to them to get them to shut the fuck up and leave me alone. Do you realize how many bills I could pay with that? What my wife loves is knowing that her bills are paid and she's secure. A $500 goddamn dollar tennis bracelet will not do that for her. She does not care about bling. She does not care about shiny shit. What she cares about is that I listen to her. So on top of me buying her a shampooer, which drove those ladies crazy, the fact that I gave it to her as soon as I got it pissed them the fuck off. And I had to tell them, fuck off, it's my life. Remember? Get to the end of the story. Fuck off, it's my life. And that killed the relationship. Because for a while, I was helpful. I was, I was friendly. They were my crew. I was basically running the night crew. And these ladies were on it. And at that point, I was like, done. Done. Leave me alone. Don't talk to me again. You That, that and one other thing, I'll go ahead and put the icing on the cake, is... I, we, we did annual reviews and I got an annual review and I always get a raise on my annual, annual review because I worked hard in that company. I busted my ass. Me and maybe two other people were the top performers of the whole department. So I knew I was going to get a raise. And sure enough, you know, I, I, it wasn't huge. It was cost of living plus a little bit. It was decent. Don't get me wrong. I was getting good money 
working there. I am not complaining. I'm just saying it wasn't like, oh, I got a huge multi-thousand dollar a year raise. No, it, it, I mean, it equated to about two grand, I think, a year um, on the percentages. It, it was it was a quarter or something. I mean, it, de- it was a solid raise. Don't get me wrong. And these ladies, oh, you got a raise. Because they, they don't get to see my stuff, but they assume, oh, you need to you need to buy us dinner. I was like, I'm like, why? Why? When I try to take care of my family, do I have to buy you fucking dinner because I work hard and you don't? And I go, fuck you. So that killed that killed the whole relationship. Anyway, so that's how to not be a friend with <laughs> the right kind of podcasting. But here's how to be a friend to anybody. I mean, if you can be a friend to me, you can be a friend to anybody. Patience. So my buddy Douglas we met when I was 16 years old. I just moved to Athens uh, in October of that year. I had turned 16 right before I left, uh, got my driver's license, whatever. In the spring of that year, or the next, you know, you know, October we moved. I don't remember the year exactly that we moved. If I was 16 and I'm 39 now, you can do the math. So, uh we we found out about this air show, and I was really interested in airplanes then. And the air show is right close to our neighborhood and at an airport in our town. And and so we went, and my dad and I went. And we saw these kids, these kids my age, teenagers and whatnot, in uniforms, a military uniforms. Like, well, that looks interesting because at the time, I mean, my dad's uh, Navy. My grandfather was Navy. My uncle was Army. My other uncle was Navy. Uh, I think before that, my grandfather's father was Navy. So there was a very a big military history in our family. And at the time, I was looking at wanting to be in the military to follow that tradition. So I was like, oh, you know, these these teenagers in uniform, what is that? And is it ROTC? Because I was homeschooled, so I knew ROTC wasn't going to fly. Like, no, this is Civil Air Patrol. And, hey, they're going to start up a chapter here in Athens and hear some information on it and come to a meeting. So we did. And in that first meeting, Douglas walks in and <laughs> he walks in with his dad, who I thought was his grandfather, because his, his dad and mom had kids when they were older in life. Uh, and he got it all the time. It's just a thing. But my second thought was pencil neck geek. <laughs> I listened to Dr. Demento all the time. And that was a big song when I heard it. Anyway, so that's how we met was through Civil Air Patrol. Oh, he seemed like a cool guy. You know, like any friendship, any relationship is, oh, there's something there. There's something cool. What, what, what is it about you that I like? And you start talking to him and, one day I offered to give him a ride home, which was because nobody else would because it, it was 30 minutes outside of town. <sighs> Who cares? So I gave him a ride home, blah, blah. Friendship kicked off. So here's the thing with patience and endurance. With patience and endurance, especially when I was younger, but even now, you have to have the ability with me to understand I am where I am and I see the world the way I see it. And sometimes, especially when we're close, especially in a heated moment, I will say things blatantly and bluntly that I feel there's some truth to them for sure. And I don't mean calling you a dirty whore or your name calling or anything. You know, yeah. When, when I get raised and my wife get raised, we call each other names and, and that's not what I'm talking about. You know, I am talking about using truth instead of a helpful thing, using truth as a sword and cutting you down. And that's always been one of my mutant powers is somehow I can, 
do that and, and figure out what's wrong with you and, and without knowing it and, and hit you hard. But the biggest thing with patience and endurance for me is Douglas, okay, he had a lot of apathy, which which was the only way we could be friends because he was the yin to my yang. I'm the fireball, the, this is wrong. We need to go fight this right now. And he's like, he's the, hey, that's a mistake, and they're going to smack into that wall, and they'll learn. And if they don't learn, it's not my problem because I understand my life is my life, and I can influence this and influence that. I mean, at 15 and 16, he wasn't that eloquent in his mind or out outwardly but that's the gist of it is he kind of was always taught calmness solve a problem he has a very scientific analytical brain he was definitely a good balance to me he's definitely one of my best friends in the world and i mean i did some stupid stupid shit to him this is an endurance thing we were teenagers we were playing pickup football you know when they tackle of course he has glasses and he's supposed to be my best friend in the world and that was a Big, big, big problem. All the way up through getting married to my wife. If I loved you, I would do the dumbest shit to you. Be- it's one of those, it's, it was an immature thing for sure. I don't know how to explain it exactly. But it's one of those things where you're my friend, so I can be funnier and harder to you than I can to other people, which is, is should be the opposite, right? I should be nicer to you and softer to you than to other people. But it, it it was that ball-breaking kind of mentality, but way worse. So going back to the football game, he happened to be on the other team for whatever reason, and he was quarterback. And even though I understand physics, I'm just a dumb fuck who thought this will be funny. You know, I'll go and I'll tackle him, and, you know, the big guy put the little guy down, and everybody's like, ooh, and, you know, that kind of moment. And everybody will be fine, we'll all laugh it off. Well, what really happened was I ran, I shoulder tackled him right in the chest, which, of course, shit whips his neck down to his head hitting my shoulder. I hit the ground so hard that I rolled forward off him like almost a forward flip, except not that eloquent. And I got up, I'm like celebrating. I gave him a semi-concussion. He he didn't know quite where he was. He was rolling around the ground. I felt bad. Instantly, I broke his glasses. It was like, oh, shit. You know, I knew I couldn't afford glasses. I felt like shit instantly. And not because it took me a long time to go, I did that to my friend. What kind of horrible person am I? It was, I felt like shit because I was going to be held responsible. Like, well, one, I didn't feel like I felt bad that I almost knocked him the fuck out. You know, that's, but, and I, but the only reason I felt bad about the glasses is because I thought they might make me pay for them. That's the guy I was when he became a friend with me. And he had to endure that. He had to be strong in that. And he had to have the patience to understand that I would change my ways. I would grow up that. Or I, I maybe you guys can help me with a word. You can email it in or, or call it in or post it somewhere after you hear this episode. But just tolerance, maybe, to know that I believed this way. I, I was strong and fiery and emotional. And it was the opposite of him. And instead of trying to change me, he just went along with it. I mean, not not like got caught up in it, but going, okay, you are who you are. Acceptance, maybe. You are who you are. I am who I am. That's just the way it's going to be. Uh, there, There's other reasons I like you and this and that and the other. 
there was a, a summer where I met a girl and I ditched him for the whole summer until I needed him. Right when the when we broke up at the end of the summertime and and I needed a a shoulder to cry on and somebody to talk to, he was there, and you know I had to apologize. I, at least then I was a much better person, uh, not much better person, but I had more self awareness to go, hey, I'm sorry, man. I realize I haven't even talked to you all summer. We haven't done anything together. Maybe that standard for a 17 year old, you know, dating a girl. I I you know it probably is a teenager dating a girl. It's standard to kind of disappear into a relationship, but it's still worth apologizing for. And I didn't make time for him. I learned lessons. And that was the other thing. I learned lessons. So if there's something I'm doing now that just hits your hot button, there will be a lesson to be learned. Maybe it's on you. Maybe it's on me. But especially then, it was always on me. So you definitely have to have the patience and endurance. Let's jump to today. Let's use Mordant. Our Mordant Mon as the example. So by the time I met him, truly... I was a much better person. I've been married to my wife for a few years. We'd already gone through our darkest stuff. I was always already on the mend of dealing with my shit and healing my life and becoming a much stronger, better person. So when I met him, I was much better. However, he will testify that I have that mutant power. Somehow I just hit your hot buttons without meaning to. Without even knowing it's a hot button, I will say something as a joke or a, as a pointed statement, whatever, and it will just smash that button that you're trying to hide. It's 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 holy crap! I don't. I, it's like a magnet. The more you try to deny something in yourself, the more you try to push something down, the more you try to hide something from people. It the more I just hone in on it. I, I have no idea I'm doing it. There was a time I made a joke early on in our relationship, and I we weren't friends really at the time. We were friendly. I was his producer, so I was keeping a more wall in between us. As far as uh, I don't consider you a friend, I'm doing the show for you. Where you know there's a, a level of friendship, sure, but it's a professional thing. And I said this joke that uh, you know honestly. Should, if it's not true, it shouldn't set you off. It should be a whatever, something you haven't dealt with in your life. I don't know. But I said this joke to him, just offhanded, even if you had done it. It's just something like a <laughs> whatever. It was just a simple little thing. Had no idea about an issue in his life. Had no idea what he was. He instantly, and I, mean, I can remember this thing clear as day. I'm sitting on my desk. He's off to the right, sitting against the wall. And I said this thing to him, and he just blew up. I mean, everything about him says, I'm going to fight you right now. I'm going to try to hit you, which cracked me up. I laughed so hard at that because for two reasons. One, <laughs> you're a little chihuahua, and I'm a pit bull or a Doberman. You know, sure, jump at me, little man, and I and it'll be a bad day for you because – I will just laugh off your hits, and I'm unless you piss me off. If you hit my nose, and this isn't probably a human thing, if you hit me in the nose, that's very, very tender spot, right? I've been punched in the nose, kicked in the nose a number of times in my life by accident and on purpose. See red instantly, and depending on why it was done, I might break you because it's a reaction and a choice at the same time, and an, an, an influenced choice, right? I'm mad, so it influences more towards aggression than not being mad. But other than that, I mean, I laughed. It was just an interesting situation. I laughed at 
a, a whole bunch of layers of things. And he he calmed down instantly. He was glad I laughed instead of took it took it seriously. But he got. I mean, his body tensed up. He balled his fist. He got pissed. And I don't know if we ever talked. I mean, we talked about it a little bit then, but I don't know if we ever talked about the issue. But that was the thing. That's the the patience, the endurance, go along for the ride. Because here's the thing, as especially now in my life. And Carl, the asker of the question, damn it, Carl, he might, and okay, okay, let me explain that. So going back to Success Freaks, we met Carl at New Media Expo, and he's with IRUSA. And he approached us talking about, hey, I've checked out your show. I heard you guys speak on this panel. I, I really would love to approach you. We're trying my company, IRUSA, is a charity organization, and here's what they do. And we'd like to... We're testing out podcast sponsorships to get the word out. And we'd like to talk to you about that. Okay, blah, blah, blah. Fast forward, we got the sponsorship. We The first show we were doing with them as a sponsor, they made a big deal out of it in their offices and everybody's listening. And I can't remember if it's the first show or the second show. But for the first couple of shows, everybody's listening. And something, something happened that was funny and my sense of humor kicks in. And I, I said, damn it, Carl. Or something, you know, something along those lines, and then Mordant ran with it, and like, oh, you know, everybody's gonna look or stick their heads out of the, the cubicles and go, "Damn it, Carl, what'd you get us into?" And that, and they thought that was hilarious. So instantly, everybody started calling him "Damn it, Carl," and it stuck. He, his wife actually loved it so much; she got a T-shirt with the hashtag. It says hashtag "Damn it, Carl" on a T-shirt, and it's it's funny. So they've leaned in. So that's that's why I said that. But that's "Damn it, Carl." Uh, anyway, he asked, and, and I consider him a friend, and we definitely, you know, I'm a little bit of a mentor, but uh, he's also teaching me things. It's a give and take relationship. He might actually be able to tell some stories on this, but to be a good friend, you do have to have patience because I will rage sometimes. I will react. I will vent. I will get frustrated. I will also drag my feet. There were definitely times, if I don't think, I'll, I'll just flat out tell you, to my wife, to everybody, I don't give a shit. If I don't feel it's right, if I if I can't, even if I can't express it in words, I'm like, I, 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 I don't have the words for this, but I'm telling you, it's not right. I'm not going to do it. It's not right. You cannot move me. And that can be very, very frustrating, especially if on the surface, you're looking at this deal or this opportunity or this thing that really seems time sensitive and it seems like it's going to be the best thing in the world. And I can't tell you why it's not good. I'm just not going to do it. Oh, I know that frustrates so many people. There was a couple of deals I tanked with success freaks. Like, no, this isn't, something's not right. I can't, I know something's not right. And it, it, oh my God, it broke more in his heart because he saw, and it could have gone either way. I mean, I think I've talked about the power of words. And if I haven't talked about it enough, ask me a question about the power of words. And we will talk about that. Yeah, it, truly can go either way it could have been the best thing that ever happened to success freaks it could have been the worst because you can speak that if you're in agreement especially you're in agreement if he and i were like oh yeah this is how this is going to work and we feel it and we're on it of course it's going to work that way but we weren't we were we were coming from different places we were coming from different reasonings and i i tanked a deal that broke his heart and the way it went down really hurt him and partially that was on me partially it was on him we, we instantly both took responsibility for it and lo- but as time passed, as time passed and things came out, we're like, oh, that ended up being the absolute right thing to do. Because my policy has been for a long time in my life, if it doesn't feel right, stop until it does. 
because I've rushed into too many damn things. I've rushed into too many moments of, oh, this is exciting. Well, if it's exciting, you can take a week, take a month, whatever, depending on the deal, depending on the opportunity. Oh, no, this is limited time. Well, then I don't need it. Instantly. Now, I've learned the hard way so many times that now if I go, I would like to think about it and you push me, nope, we're done. I, I don't want the deal. Done. Because if it's truly beneficial, mutually beneficial, if it's truly the right thing to do, I'll wake up tomorrow and think it's right. I'll wake up the next day, you know, a week from now, a month from now. And your deal will still be there because you want to work with me. Your opportunity will still be there. The relationship will still be there, whatever. I I run the Giant Size Team Up Network. I sign all the damn shows to that, that network. And every time I go to a show and we have a talk, I say, take your time. Make sure everything feels right to you, especially if it's multiple hosts. Make sure everybody's on board. One of the questions I ask of a show is, are you, uh, you know, to the individuals, are you married? Are you in a relationship? If they say no, it's okay, then it's just on you. If they say yes, on any level of relationship, does your partner understand what you're doing? How do they feel about it? How much time are they willing to allow you to do this? Because it's very, very important when you do something serious as a business, as a hobby, things can change. You can walk away from hobby. You can do it for whenever you want. But as a business, and for me, podcasting is 100% a business. It is so important that your partner and spouse understand and believe this is the right thing for you to do. Because if it doesn't, you're going to ultimately have to make a choice. And I refuse to put you in that spot. Because one, either you're going to fuck me over, and I've put a lot of time, money, and energy into you, and you're going to choose them. Or I'm going to fuck you over. And you're going to ruin your relationship. I have zero desire to be any part of either of those scenarios. So that's why I asked that question. It's important. It's important to be able to take your time. So if you rush me, no. And that's the patience that you have to have with me. And that I will have with you. If we're working, if Carl, you and I are working on something together and it doesn't feel right to you. All right. You know what? I'm not going to force you into it. Brian Ibbett is one of my partners. Paul Klaus is one of my partners. And anytime they've raised hesitations, we've sat down and talked about it. I've had to back off of things that I felt was right but because we weren't in agreement. I know better. I know that maybe I'm missing something. Even if they don't have exact words, even if they don't go, well, this, you need to do this, this, and this exactly for, okay. Even if it's just not that. Even if, I mean, one time when we started to build the, the network, Paul Klotz went, you're, you're signing all these shows, and they're, they are, they're, they're great shows, but but I just don't feel like we have the infrastructure. I don't feel, and he expressed himself very well. And while I disagreed with where he was coming from, I said, I hear you. I will stop signing shows for now. I'll No, I said, I'll stop going after shows. Uh, I'm very big on words. I said, I, will, I agree to stop looking for shows and approaching them to sign them. And then, of course, the universe brought a show that came to me and said, hey, this is what we're doing. This is what, you know, what do you think? And it was perfect. And so I I brought it up and I gave everybody an opportunity to speak on it. And then, you know, it brought along another conversation. But that's a relationship. That's a friendship. That's a partnership. That's an investment in somebody else's life. Be patient. Be endurable. 
how do you be endurance? I, I don't know the grammar of be endurance, but have endurance. Meaning you, you can weather the storm. Meaning you can not just the patience to wait it out, but be able to take the shit that goes with it. And my wife, God damn, my wife has the most endurance in the world. There have been simple, quick story. I I had this this controlling messed up mentality about my kids. My kids need sleep. My kids need rest. You can't do too much stuff. You're wearing out. Part of that came from my mother who always told me doing too much will wear you out. It's going to exhaust you. And because she spoke it, it did. Uh, instead of teaching me endurance, she taught me to back off. Not necessarily a bad thing because there's definitely times to back off and understand when you're too tired. And, there are times I try not to take naps as an adult now, not because it'll mess up my night because I stay up late anyway, but because my wife doesn't get time to rest. She's up in the morning taking the kids to school. She's doing homeschool with the kids. She's doing all this other stuff. I avoid taking naps because she doesn't get to. There's stuff to be done around the house. There's stuff to be taken care of. But I know me, and this is something my mother did teach me, is, hey, when I hit that wall, when I know that I have to have this rest, otherwise things are going to get really, really bad, I to myself say, fuck it. I'm sorry that she didn't get a nap, but I have to go take care of myself. And I do try to make sure she gets naps. There's a balance. Don't, don't get me wrong. This is just an internal monologue, an internal thing of uh, I really want to avoid taking that that nap because although she never said anything and she never seems to be bothered by it, and she actually tells me to go lay down and t- get some rest, I am bothered by it. Blah, blah, blah. Take care of yourself. But I always had this thing of, oh, you got it too much, too much. And my mom, my mom would always bitch about families who had kids in school and then they had soccer and they had piano and they had this and they were always going. And it didn't help that religious circles and comedians, not just religious comedians, but other comedians were mocking it either for fun to get you to laugh or some religious circles were like see they have no time for family their family's gonna break up they're gonna get divorced all they ever do is go out to eat because they're always doing something excuse me the religion came out of me and they killed me (laughs) my mind went no stop saying that ugly shit my point is i get this super negative idiotic imagery of if they get to do stuff that I think is too much. My family won't be here anymore. That's dumb. That is dumb. And I would fight my wife on it. I would control it. And she had the endurance to go fine and give up what she wanted because I was making her life miserable about it. Eventually through the years and through practice and through her patience, I came to a point to go, you know what try it try it with the caveat that the second i think it's too much and i think they're exhausted we're gonna stop them and she took it and ran with it and said okay and she you know i was a dumb controlling ass but what i learned through finally letting go and through her patience and endurance of me being that person the world doesn't end and she did come back more to where I wanted her to be than when she saw the kids were getting grumpy. You know what? Tomorrow we're going to skip vacation Bible school. We're going to sleep in. We're going to rest because you guys need it. I never had to say anything. It never got to the point where I went, woman, you need to shut this down, that you're endangering them. You know, they need their sleep. She always got to that point before I did. 
going, hey, you know what? Everybody, I'm tired. You're tired. Let's just take the day off tomorrow. Let's not do this super extra activity because she loves her calendars. Oh, my God. If you can see her calendars, that has her special power along with saving money. And she can manage some fucking calendars. It fills up. And it's always stuff to do. But she never forces it. If the kids are like, eh, I don't want to go to Toys R Us and do a free Lego build today. Because, you know, either when the words that they say or in the actions that they're taking because they're sleeping. For fun stuff, she doesn't necessarily wake them up. If they sleep in, oh, you know what? It was a thing. We missed it. Of course, it drives her crazy. She wants to do everything possible, and that's something she has to deal with on her own life. But she's willing to be a good mother and back off, and that's awesome. So I was willing to be a good father and husband and stop being a controlling ass. Endurance. She weathered that storm. When I say go long for the ride, that's also what I'm talking about, is if you want to be my friend, you have to be willing to go for things that put you outside of your comfort zone. My my wife and I, on paper, are so different in ways we do things. She hates conflict. She hates having to deal with people because there are issues in her life, but also because who who truly loves conflict? Who truly loves? Now, they're like, oh, I get it. Well, if we really spent days, months, years, whatever, digging into your life and getting to what I talked about on a, a recent episode of what's your earliest memory now that you're feeling this emotion, you're going through this conflict thing, what's your earliest memory, what is it, how do you feel about that memory, and what does it tell you about yourself as an adult, I think we could dig out. I don't think people truly love conflict. People, I think people truly love getting along but they've been taught, depending on who you are and your stories and your messages are, that conflict equals love. Conflict equals this is how things go. Or if I fight you, you won't see who I am. And there been so many deep, deep thoughts that go into that. However, I used to be very, very aggressive, and she hated that. I, I told this story on bear crawling many, many years ago. I'll tell it here now. And I, I told it as it was happening. So here's the thing. My kids are beautiful. And universally, I mean, people are like, oh, my God, they're so pretty, they're so cute, they're so handsome, you know, depending on the age and whatever, to the point that when they were babies, this actually happened with Oakland, and my wife and I, new parents, we never experienced this. We had no idea what to do. A strange lady at a grocery store just went, oh, look at the baby, picked him up out of our buggy and started holding him, and we were so blown away by the brazen bullshit what she did, we didn't know what to do. About the time my my shock turned into fucking aggression, she put him back. And like, oh, you know, he's so nice, thank you. And she was she was goddamn crossing the line. Oh my god, fucking idiot. And today, if she re- anybody reaches for my kids, I'd grab them super fast. By the time we never saw it coming, yeah, we get oh look at the baby all the time. People would ooh and ah and say things. New parents, I mean, he's he's old enough to to sit up. At this point, in a, a without a car seat in a, a a buggy, but he's still a baby. You know, he's not walking. He's not you know doing any of that stuff. He's not a toddler yet. And you just grab somebody's kid. What the fuck is wrong with you? Who? What the fuck? So as I really held on to the anger, and and was dealing with other stuff, there came a time when. Uh, People were still being, and I was attracting it because I was like, don't you goddamn dare touch my kid and my soul. I was saying that. So I'm attracting people who want to touch my kids. So here's what I did. And eventually I dealt with that. The attraction is gone. The universal, the secret, you know, universal attraction was gone. 
and that shit didn't happen. And I've told my kids, if you ever feel weird about something, scream, whatever. But here's what I did then. I flat out taught both my kids, if somebody you don't know touches you, scream pedophile as loud as you can. And it, my wife was like, oh, my God, don't you. I was like, no, fuck you. Shut up, woman. Fuck you. And Okay. I sound like a wife beater a little bit. There's a, my wife and I uh, have these internal jokes in our relationship. And I usually only use it when I'm teasing, sometimes when I'm angry, but I'll say it like I just said it there to bring myself down from anger, to get more to the joking. And she knows that. That's how we use it. Uh, she'll say man duties when she doesn't want to do something, right? Kill a bug or, you know, it, sometimes she'll use it for fun. Like, hey, those dishes need to be done. Man duties, you know. <laughs> and I will call her woman. And usually it's in a, a fun way uh, when we're joking. But in a sense, when I'm mad, I will say shut up, woman. Or you know, I'll add woman to it to remind myself, this is your wife. You need to listen to her. You need to back down a little bit. Let's find a way to talk. So I use it as a way to cap the anger and bring it back down to sanity. So I realized without that context, I sound like this chain-smoking wife-beater asshole. And I'm not saying I'm not an asshole. I just, it's not the intent with that word. So I, I said, you know, no. The, because fuck that shit. Fuck that. And this is where I was really starting to learn, fuck the world. It's about me and my kids. Why, true question, people, why should you ever step back and let somebody, I don't mean sexually, I mean a nice pleasantry. Remember earlier in the show when I said societal pleasantries didn't stick? Why should you be a pleasant in a grocery store to any person, whether they have good intentions or not, to allow them to touch your kid when you don't feel safe with that? To allow them to pick up your baby out of a cart? Again, it shocked us. And after that, we're like, we literally walked out with, what the fuck? Why should you do that? What the? And we had to figure out a plan of how to handle that in the future. And we've had to stop people from, no, 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 nope, you're cool. Stay. And I mean, I put my hand out, point at them. Nope, you don't need to touch my kid. Because societal pleasantries allow for stupid decisions. Well, I'm just being nice. I don't give a fuck. It's my kid. And I am more aggressive about it. See, I'm not angry. I'm very much changed my tone instantly. But I'm very aggressive about that because nice fucks up the world sometimes. And being very aggressive upsets my wife going back to going along for the ride. Okay. So I very I was super aggressive. I mean, I did. I taught my two oldest kids to shout, to scream pedophile in public. And everybody I told that to was like, oh my God, that's so harsh. Because niceness is fucking harsh. Because if some old man, who we don't know is a pedophile or not, some old man wants to come and pat my daughter on her head and rub her hair, fuck you, that's not appropriate. But societal niceness goes, oh, he's just a grandfather, he misses his, fuck you, I don't care, it's my kid. And I'm being very, very aggressive and very loud about this because I got so much goddamn pushback then, but because I want to put that in your soul right now. Aggressive, angry, pushback. It's your life. It's your kid. Holidays are coming up. And while this is a universal evergreen show, holidays are always coming up. Just as this recording, they're very close. And you will be in a situation 
where it's your life and you're going to tolerate a family member or some situation that you fucking hate because somewhere a message inside of you, somewhere polite societal shit has told you, somewhere something has said, this is the way it has to be. And I'm here to tell you, baby, it ain't. It ain't. But that's not the point of this show. But I do want to hammer that home. It's your life. You deserve to be happy. I deserve to never have to worry about my kid being touched in an appropriate way if I'm standing there. And I don't care how old and sweet you look. No. Now, I'm very less aggressive in public about it now. I've been, hey, no, 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 we're cool. I'll, I'll pull my kid away. You know, whatever. But here's the thing. Once I dealt with that issue, once my wife dealt with that issue and we got an agreement, guess what, man? People stopped trying to touch our kids in any way. You know, they might ask for a hug and our kids will check with us. Yeah, yeah, no, it's cool. I don't mean strangers. I mean like teachers, church people who don't know us all that well. I don't mean perfect strangers in the grocery store. If a perfect stranger asks for a hug, I'm like, no, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but my wife had to be willing to go along for that ride for me to get through the super. I mean, you thought I was aggressive in the delivery of this message today. Wait till rage powers that because that's what powered it at first was rage. Fuck you, it's my life. Dude, I can't even tap into that anymore. I don't have rage. I, I carry some anger. I'm the Hulk, man. My secret is I'm always angry. <laughs> that's, that's actually not true, but in certain areas, it is definitely true. My point is, my point is, my point is, she was willing because she wanted to be with me. And she knew there were things for her to learn and there were things for me to learn. And she was willing to go along for the ride. If you want to be my good friend, if you want to be that person I would do anything for in the world, if you want to be that person to your husband, to your wife, to your girlfriend, to your boyfriend, to your family, to your co- you have to be willing to go along for the ride. Some people say, accept people where they are. But I'm going to tell you, for me, it was a ride. That's why that terminology is so there because it was a hard ride to go on sometimes. It was a bumpy one. It was sweaty. It was long. It was dirty. It had its ups and downs like a roller coaster. But you have to be, if you really want to be a, a friend to somebody on that level, if you have that connection, you have to be willing to go along for a ride. Does that mean put up with her bullshit? No. I mean, stories have come out from me and my wife in our relationship of how she would say stuff. There, there's stuff we're going through now that I try to gently say things to her. When they finally hit a point of me going, I, I don't want to hear that anymore. She would say the same stuff to me. She would remind me, I'm always getting angry about something. She would remind me, oh, really? Everything pisses you off. Well, she uses that now and it's not true. But there was a time when that was absolutely true. Everything pissed me off. Because I was pissed off all the time. Go along for the ride. And the last thing is growth. If you want to be my friend, as a listener of this show, if you're an avid listener of this show, you've heard of three, four, five episodes, and you're still with me and still get it, you get this. You have to be willing to grow or you cannot stay around me, period. Because I will make you so goddamn uncomfortable, it's not even funny. I, I'm always looking to grow myself. I'm always being honest and I shine a light so bright. I, I just accept that I'm bigger than life. I fucking walk through things. I am loud. I'm energetic. I just, I get that I'm this high powered being. I, 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 I don't have the right analogy. I hate when I don't have the right analogy. 
But I'm too much to handle sometimes. I can be really loud, as you heard here. You might have had to turn off the episode just to take a break. Because this one feels like a very, putting a lot of energy, a lot of aggression into this episode. You might have to take a break. I know it can be a lot to take. There were times my wife asked me not to go to places because of that. I didn't want to go anyway. So that worked out win-win for everywhere. I have become much better. So now I can say, hey, if you want me there, I want to be, I want to be there to help you and help with the kids, whatever you need. Outside of you, I have zero desire to be there. And if you notice, I'm, I, I have said not a lot. I have said haven't because I'm not always perfect. <laughs> because perfection in words has eluded me. But I'm, when I'm being very clear, I say zero. I have zero desire to be there outside of helping you. So if you want me there, I'm there. And she'll go, okay. And she's learned to, she understands that. And she's learned to trust that I have grown because I've shown that over and over again. And she knows if I go into the situation and somebody says something that'll piss me off, I just, I just suck it up for her and leave it alone. And then, and she knows there's a line. And if somebody crosses a line, I will, as politely as I can, push them back across the line. And we're actually going to host Thanksgiving at our house this year after the 2016 election cycle. And there are people who have differing opinions. And we're I'm not kidding. I'm putting up a sign on the outside of my door that says, no politics inside my house. You can go out in the yard. You can argue all day long. You come into my house, you mention politics, I will kick you out. Go out in the yard. Zero tolerance for politics in my house. Because... It will get loud. It will get ugly. And I got to tell you, I fucking hate it. I have unfollowed a number of friends that are friends, that I consider friends on Facebook, that I still want to be friends with you. I'm just tired of seeing the political bullshit constantly right now. I have unfriended people who aren't friends going, I'm done. You, you stop it. Stop it. How do you end racism? You fucking stop talking about it. Morgan Freeman. How do you start healing? You stop talking about all the, from both sides, the gloating and the crying. You stop having these negative emotions and you go into positive change. I'm not saying accept it. I'm not saying eat it up with a spoon and like it. I'm saying shut the fuck up with the negative shit. That's growth. You have to be willing to grow. And I I have lost friends. My family doesn't like to be around me all that much because I have grown and I have changed. And just let's, let's, let's take it away from the family. Let's take it to some friends. There were some friends I thought were going to stick with me forever. We came to each other in a, a different part of life, a more mature, healed part of life. They went through with me through some dark shit. But because either they didn't know who they were or because they didn't know who they were and they weren't willing to change, we don't even speak anymore. It, it, they stopped taking my phone calls. Now, sometimes it's something I said, sure. But the specific one I'm looking at is like, no, we were both similar spots in our lives when we met. We were both similarly damaged. We were both doing some negative things in our life to hurt ourselves, not outwardly, but inwardly to hurt ourselves. I decided I fucking had enough of that shit in my life. Started growing. But he went in along for the ride without growing and changing because once I changed all... I did, my change, my growth, my happiness that I was gaining, all it ever did was remind him of the shit he lived in and the choice he made was to stay in the shit. And I never judged him for that. 
I kept trying to reach out. And every once in a while we would talk and I, I just would see it be the same. I'd see, hey, what's, he'd ask, what's going on in your life? Oh, this great thing and this great thing. And, oh, you know, I'm changing this and changing that. What's going on in your life? And it had to be the worst things possible going on in his life. And his life kept getting worse and kept getting and I never chose to stop calling. I, I, I stopped trying as hard, to be honest, because I felt like, one, it was very difficult to see him and listen to him in that position. And two, I felt like I was making it worse for him. Everything I had to say was this great thing going on, this happy thing happening. And er everything in his reality was I have the opposite of that. And so I stopped trying as hard because why would I want to make you feel like shit? And just my presence alone makes you feel that way. You have to be willing to grow. Mordant, Mordant can preach on this topic around me. And I was willing to grow. He has influenced me. But there was definitely so many things I did that put him so far out of his comfort zone. Went so much against either what he held on to in his life or just who he was. Because we are different people. And I will do things in a different way. I mean, he would never, ever do this show. This this balls to the wall, foul language, fuck you, you're wrong kind of mentality is not in him. He, he is a guy that can give you very good, sane, unemotional advice. He is a guy that can, that can make you feel loved when you're hurting. I'm, I can too sometimes. I mean, he, and he can be balls to the wall, fuck you, you're wrong too. We can do these things, but our nature is my daughter, I've had to, my youngest, Zoe, cries about everything. And it, it hits a button in me. Not that she's crying, but oh, what's wrong? And she won't even try to calm down and tell me, baby. And I'll hold her, and I'll try to calm her down, and she she refuses to calm down. And I understand there's a choice. I understand there's a choice. It's not like her leg is broken and it's uncontrolled. She's crying about some something, and she wants to be upset. And I'll try to calm her down, and I'll give her a minute. Babe, why, if I can know why you're crying, did you get hurt? What happened? I can, help, I can help fix it. Maybe that's a guy thing, a dad thing, whatever. But I'm trying to get to the problem of what's going on. And it'll get worse. And sometimes, and this is why I've had to go, okay, give her what she needs. She's still, was she four now? I think she's four. Three and a half, maybe. I don't remember. I'm not going to do the math right now. She's under five. Her brother just turned five. She's younger than him. So I get that. She's still developing rational thought and the ability to to handle pain. But I, there have been points when, I'm like, go to your room. Just get, I, just go calm down. And when she'd come back, uh, what happened? Oh, I, you know, when she was sick recently, her neck would pop. Some Something would happen, and it would hurt her. And it would hurt her to a point. And, of course, she's sick. Maybe she's got a little bit of a fever. She She's not her normal self to handle pain. And it, when it popped, it would just set her off. It'd be miserable. I would try to help, but I couldn't. And I, I just push her away. What I've done for myself and my own personal growth is to be more like my wife and just hold her. Okay, baby, cry. It's okay. And just let her cry. And it seems to have gotten better. 
she seems to calm down faster and is able to explain to me what I would like is what I've had from my other kids. What's wrong? I heard blah, 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 blah. Okay, I can't understand you. And if I can't understand you, I can't help you. Calm down and tell me what happened. And they'll calm down enough to get out. I hurt my hand or blah, blah, blah. Okay. And, you know, I can calm them down. That's a me thing. That's an issue I'm dealing with. But that's the growth I'm, I'm searching for. Mordant, I, I, there's so many times he's just publicly and privately said, oh, my God, you did something so far out of my comfort zone, all I could do is hold on to you for dear life. I don't think he's used those words, but that was the energy. It was basically hold on for the ride because if I let go, I'm going to fall off and die. And once he got through, he's like, oh, my God, that was such a great ride. And I've learned so many things I would not have done on my own. And he grew. And he changed. I grew and I changed. My wife has grown and changed. My my boy Douglas, I call him my brother, has grown and changed. But I'm going to tell you, and I think this is true with any relationship, especially if one person is strong and is fixing their life and is growing, you have to be willing to grow. If you are if you stay in your spot, I will walk away from you because that is life. I'm a shark. I am always moving. Always moving. Sometimes in circles, which sucks. Just from a personal standpoint, I always like to move forward, but I admit, sometimes in circles, every once in a while, it's backwards. But I'm typically moving forward with my life, and that's just nature. If you're not moving forward, or if you're not moving forward at the same speed I am, there's a good chance you're going to be left behind. Or, you're not. Mordant and I are brothers, man. Sometimes we're not the best of friends. We've had that conversation. Sometimes we hate each other. I, I hate too strong sometimes we have very negative opinions of each other based on where we're standing but we're family and it's it's one of the things that happened we're family you don't always like family douglas is the same way we're family hugh one of my other great friends in life we can disagree but here's the thing about hugh he knew who he was and while he and i had our differences he, I didn't leave him behind. He was always where he was. And that's the thing. You don't have to be on the same path I am. You don't have to do the same great, crazy, awesome shit that I'm doing. He loves his nice, quiet, stable life. That he, he, he works in a family business. He runs a family business, actually, him and his brother. He has a small podcast that meets every need that he wants met. He's happy. He's content, which are two different things. And he knows who he is. And it took me forever to figure that out. Because I'm like, I'm doing this. I'm leaving you behind. And he's like, okay, whatever. And yet, here we are. He comes twice a year to my house where his vacation spot. He comes in the spring for the Ren Fest. And he comes in the fall for Dragon Con. And it's great. The kids love him. My wife loves him. We love having him here. And we talk throughout the year without it. And I very much look forward to him coming. And that's the kind of other thing is ultimately know who you are if you know who you are we'll either be friends or we won't because it depends on how it clashes you know but i will say stuff that will offend you not intentionally and i try to keep my offensive stuff to rock out a podcasting page but there might be those of you especially with the 2016 election cycle there are people who the words i use today will burn you and piss you off and you won't listen to this show and maybe it'll ruin our relationship i don't know I'm telling you what I think and feel. That's what this show is all about. And I keep that to rock out of podcasting. I will blatantly say how I feel about shit there. Whereas on Charles McFall on Facebook, 
I won't share stuff about women. And I don't mean negative. I mean, I like boobs. I will tell you, I like boobs all day long. My wife gets it. She knows it. You know, she thinks it's, it. you know, if I go overboard, anything's like, oh, come on, seriously. But I will share stuff about half-naked chicks and my appreciation of the beauty of women. I can appreciate the beauty of men. I'm just not attracted to it. I mean, there are some beautiful men out there, without a doubt. Collier, baby, I'm looking at you. But <laughs> I love Collier's hair. I'm not going to give you his last name, but he knows. I love his hair. But I'm not gay. I don't... I, 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 I have zero sexual attraction to him, but he's a beautiful man. But there's there's just a beauty in the form of a woman, and it takes all different shapes and sizes. And I will share that on Rock God Podcasting. I refuse to share that on Charles McFall because so many people are there that are such a wide range of things that I am everything to everybody to them, and I am this person who's building a network, and da, da, that they won't get it. And, yeah, they can find Rock God Podcasting. That is part – this is who I am. But if you choose to only want to see the the polite professional side, then you stay in that polite professional area. All right. I've said a ton of stuff here. Big question. Not an easy one to answer. But thank you, Carl. And I would love some feedback on this. I would love how maybe I've touched an area in your life. How maybe you understand me better. How maybe you really you understand yourself better. And not just you, Carl, because I definitely look forward to that. Uh, and Morton, I know you're going to, you know, you might not feedback, but I know you're going to listen to this. I would love to hear that. But I mean, everybody who's listening, did I touch a nerve? Not just I pissed you off because I understand the way I say things can, can smack you in the face. I, and I will listen to that. I won't change it because this show is all about how I want to say shit. So I want to say it my way. But I do want to know, did I, did I hit a good nerve? Did you go... Huh, this is something I'm going to do in my life to change my relationship with somebody else. I'm going to be more patient, more endurant. I am going, and hey, endurant. I think I got the right word there. I'm going to be willing to go along for this journey because I want to be with them because of all the good stuff. Yeah, there's the negative side. You do your pros and cons list, but the pros outweigh the cons. And I just, I want to be with them. I'm going to go along with the ride and maybe I'm willing to grow in the process. Or, did you understand that you're that guy on the other side of it, that they need to be patient? Girl, female, whatever. I, I'm always talking to myself. So sex in gender terms is going to be male because I'm always speaking to myself. And I try to obviously use words like partner and spouse and general terms so that you can grab onto that. But please understand when I throw out that guy like I just did, it's because I, I, number one, my number one audience is me. Number two audience is everybody else. Anyway, you understand you're that person on the other side of the relationship where you're per, the, the friend, the partner, the spouse, the whatever has to be patient with you. They have to be endurant with you. They have to be willing to go along for a ride and possibly grow. So, all right, I'm the Rock Gun of Podcasting. I need your help. I need your feedback. I need to know what you think of this show. Tell people to listen, please. Tell people to listen. Go to iTunes. Rate it. Tell me what you think there. Email me, rgop at charlesmcfall.com. Rockgodapodcasting.com. Speak pipe like Carl did and leave your message. Uh, there's a contact form at the bottom you can just fill out and send directly to me if you don't remember the email. Facebook.com is Podcasting. Twitter is Pod because they, they limit me there. So, yeah, that's the show. Thank you for coming along for the ride. Tell me your stories. Share with me your story. 
And definitely send me your questions. Okay, podcasters and YouTubers, my name is Mike Woodard, otherwise known as producer slash audio engineer for the rock god of podcasting. Look, you know you're producing amazing content, but is your audio game as tight as it needs to be? If you need to level up the overall sound of your show, I'm your guy. If you need a kick-ass intro for your show, I'm your guy. If you hate the sound of your own voice and just need someone to handle your voiceover narration, I'm your guy. Need music beds? Need sound effects? Just go to mikeatthemike.com. Check out my demos and take a look at my rates. You can sound better than you do, and I can help. Mikeatthemike.com.